Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. The podcast that does not focus on the fictional creature of Bigfoot, but on learning, especially from those who have stepped into our lives, leaving lessons left on our minds. Today's guest is Reiner Meisterjan. Reiner is the founder, CEO, and director of Cortex Performance. Reiner works with competitive basketball players, coaches, executives, and teams at all levels of the game who are consumed with maximizing their mental game and leadership potential. And now for the episode itself. Well, welcome Reiner to the show. It's an honor to have you on today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I've been kind of noticing after talking with people for some previous episodes, just like seeing what that relationship with learning has been throughout their life. So I kind of wanted to see like, what has your own relationship with learning been throughout your life, whether you've loved learning from the get go, or it was like, oh, no, like it's uh, ebbed and waned or have some variability in there. Wow, starting with the big question right away. I like it. Um, you know, I actually, I almost have to, I have to really reflect back on that. I, I would say when I was younger, I, I, I wasn't a huge learner. Like as a kid, I wasn't necessarily somebody who loved, you know, reading a bunch of books and different things like that. Um, but for me, that, that motivation really started when I started discovering what, what, I, what I was passionate about, which is psychology. And even in high school, you know, I grew up in Germany. So in, in high school there, um, I had a chance to take some pedagogy classes, which, you know, tie, tie into psychology and probably kind of spark that, that passion for psychology. And that's when, when I started getting more and more, more curious. And then over the years, it's just something that, that organically evolved, you know, and I'm, I'm still not somebody who's necessarily a great reader you know some people will get through multiple books in a month like that's not me but I, I love I love having conversations with different people and feels related to mine I love listening to podcasts you know um diving into articles um coming up with my own creative ideas and uh it's something that I'm passionate about now like I, I love learning in all different ways shapes and forms and it just sort of happened over the years as I started learning what, what, what's really meaningful to me in life. I feel like you touch upon a key part on there of like, like many times when people think of learning, they like, they associate so much with like reading or kind of like more that as the main route. And so I'm glad you brought up about like, oh, there are many different avenues to be able to you know, foster that learning through everyday life and such. And, uh, um, and with that, thinking in terms of like the position you're in now as a mental performance coach, like for there, and something I've been learning through just meeting people within a field is that everybody has their own journey for how they get to where they are. And so what has that journey looked like to get to where you are today? I would say it's looked bumpy. It's looked 
non-linear. Um, you know, I, I, um, I did my undergrad degree in, in psychology with a, um, with a concert or not a concentration, but I had a minor in coaching, um, had an opportunity like through that to get introduced to, to sports psychology. I think we had an elective one semester that really, um, started sparking my interest in the field and also, and also, um, you know, showed me that I can bring together my two passions in psychology and athletics and somehow turn that into a career. So fast forward from there, I eventually um, got my master's in counseling psychology. So went the clinical route in the beginning and then shifted to, to performance psychology for my PhD. And initially wanted to actually go into academia and that just didn't work out at the time. And looking back, I'm really happy that it didn't because it, it uh, gave me that kick in the ass to then look at, well, what else can I do? So I started my own business with no business background in 2013, um, started super small, you know, a couple of clients actually it was through Mike, who whom you had on a recent episode that I um, that I started meeting some athletes in Milwaukee when I first moved out there because Mike um, had a basketball training facility right down the road from my house. So we started collaborating a little bit and, uh, you know, then started building from there gradually. And, and even at this point, I'm still learning so much about how to run a business, how to take a business to the next level, how to, how to uh, you know, onboard uh, new staff, how to lead um it, it just never stops but uh, that that's basically been my, been my journey and i'm uh, super thankful i'm here and it's it's fun like it's really fun so that's awesome to hear and i think one of the things that initially drew me to reaching out to you a good couple of years ago it feels like ages now that uh is how you're able to focus a lot on the basketball side or you know not just the basketball side but like uh, for that mental performance being able to specialize and especially have that focus with different basketball teams of the sort and with that in mind and hearing about how basketball has been a big part of your own life I was curious like what has basketball taught you that you've been able to transfer over either into your own coaching work or just into your life in general? Mm, Interesting question. Um, A a few different things, you know, one, as a basketball player, I feel like you're part, you're part of a complex system. You know, you, you have to figure out how to, how to score baskets um, basically, along with four other guys going up against the defense, you know, so you have to navigate the on-court stuff and, and figure out how to exist within that system. You have to figure out how to exist within the larger system of coaches, uh, performance staff, you know, if it's the university or a club that you're affiliated with, you know, like that, 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 that level. And um, so I think through basketball over the years, I've learned how to function within a system essentially and how to um, navigate and utilize different resources and how to um, how to solve how to solve problems you know 
I think also the competitive aspect has been a big one for me. Like I, I love, I love to compete. You know, I loved it as a, and I still do when I play pickup basketball now, like I still love competing, you know, and I love competing in business. Like I love And it's mostly not even against other businesses in this space, but it's more so like competing with ourselves. How can we mm. continuously improve and get better at what we do and, and seek feedback and make, make adjustments? You know, um, so a lot of those things, I, I, I feel like I did learn by, by being an athlete and basketball. Yeah, I've played different sports, but basketball has been by far the most prominent one that that's that shaped my life for the past, you know, 25 or so years. Well, and yeah, I, I resonate with much of what you shared there because like you go off the court and you're still able to kind of see like, okay, I'm not on official basketball team, but Oh, like how can I still work within the group and kind of seeing all the nuances and, and yeah, still finding those opportunities to still keep basketball in our lives, whether we know it or not, or intentionally or not. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, Turning a bit then to the mental side, a little similar to the previous question, like in terms of mental performance, there's many mental skills that come into play for there, whether it's goal setting, focus, mindfulness, just to name a few. Are there any skills? in the mental side that either you feel most passionate about and have you know kind of incorporated into your own life or is it kind of like a broad base like all of these I'm just or am I able to like bring into and like put a equal amount of focus on well so with our clients I would say that we have a general approach that we take with each client but within that we are very adaptable to what the needs of the individual client are and and what their level of interest is is and what resonates with their personality Mm. you know in a similar fashion i have to navigate my own life i have to figure out what what fits and what might fit today might not fit uh next year because we all grow we all we all evolve you know but when it comes to mental skills obviously as you mentioned there are a whole bunch of different ones I I suppose a simple way of looking at it is you can look at it at the level of identity and then you can look at it at the level of the 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 task so with with uh, basketball players or clients we deal with you know typically on the front end we we help them um, establish their their on-court identity so essentially we help them develop uh, core values by which they want to um, be known on the court, you know? So then we look at, well, what are the tangible actions and behaviors that go into those core values? So we can work on consistently bringing those core values and that larger identity of an athlete to, to life when we step out there. On top of that, you then have the more nuanced um, like task and skills based stuff. So obviously, like as a basketball player, you have to be able to execute certain actions on the court. You have to, you know, you have to be able to to learn and memorize and execute plays. 
um, et cetera, right? And that's where, you know, skills like visualization, pregame visualization can be helpful, um, customized focus cues that the athlete might, might use in-game. Um, and then we also, we also do a lot of post-game reflection stuff uh, with our players, which we can go more into if you'd like. But then um, coming back to your question, as far as my, my own life is concerned, I suppose I operate in a somewhat similar manner. You know, I, I, uh, I have, you know, certain routines that, that help me in terms of just staying anchored overall in life at times. Yeah. So, so I do daily meditation, for example, I spend about 10, 10, 12 minutes every morning meditating. Um, I, um, I keep a gratitude journal um, in the evenings. Um, in the mornings, I also jot down things that I'm particularly, particularly looking forward to that day to, to help set my focus in a, in a positive direction. Um, so that's been good. I suppose at times I also, you know, work with my own focus cues uh, to, to help keep things simple because I'm a, I guess as an athlete and even now I'm a textbook overthinker. I have a very active brain. Um, so you got to figure out ways to, to move your focus in the right direction, ideally keep it as simple as possible so you can, you can navigate your day-to-day -day tasks in a way that's efficient. So true. And yeah, cause it's easy to get caught up on all the different thoughts concerning whatever you're working on or just life in general. So yeah, finding what can be that anchor okay bring me back and find that cue and go from there and yeah just seeing what what works now and then seeing like okay what works tomorrow and it's yeah it's interesting seeing what is able to be a bit stagnant throughout time while also like leaving that flexibility of like bringing in when you mentioned about identity made me think of like self-awareness and just seeing like okay um maybe this thing that hasn't been working or has worked in the past isn't working as effectively now and continually just keeping an open mindset while also knowing what already works and going forward yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think what, what's important, Monica, to, to keep in mind for all of us is if, if we're if we're motivated, if we're achievement driven, um, perhaps, whether it be as a business owner, as a student, as an athlete, as a coach, we are all performers in our respective domains. And what that means is that we need to approach it as such. We need to we need to navigate things like sleep, nutrition, focus. And all the stuff that we might teach to an athlete really applies to us, maybe in a slightly different way, but it does apply if we're looking to, to really maximize um, productivity, uh, perhaps, and then we, we, we are, you know, looking to, to achieve at a certain level. And that, that does require, yes, being grounded in certain routines, perhaps, but it also requires flexibility over time. So, for instance, I just met with a um, nutritionist recently and, and, you know, went over my blood markers, which is something I hadn't done before, but I've messed around with different, uh, different uh, types of diets and whatnot, started, you know, doing intermittent fasting for a while, which I thought was 
extremely helpful in the beginning when I did it, but now I'm realizing after I just had that meeting with her that it actually makes sense for me to, to eat more frequently throughout the day and to, to eat more calories. And, um, you know, that's, that's impacted my energy in a positive way, like even just a weekend now since making a couple of like minor changes. So, um, when it comes to the, to the mental game, it's, it's, uh, it's quite similar. Like we need to, figure out again what keeps us grounded and what helps move our focus in the right direction so we can thrive in whatever area we operate in and then we just need to have some flexibility with it over time reflect on what well, is what i'm doing currently working or do i need to switch it up or find mm-hmm. absolutely and yeah going into that lens of anything in life can whether it's different roles and stuff like that performance aspect is there even if it isn't blatantly put out there and so yeah keeping that in mind as we're going through and I'll go off of there a little bit you know if somebody is like hey like they found out about sports psychology and kind of still fairly freshly new on like what it is, but it's like, there's something that they're interested in pursuing. What's something that you would give as like brief advice to an individual who would be interested in going into the field of sports psychology? Well, I suppose in a, in a general sense, educate yourself about what it is, because I think a lot of us, including myself, are still trying to figure out what exactly the field as a whole is, because it's so, so nuanced and there's so many, mm-hmm. um, you know, sub subdivisions, I suppose, within it. Um, obviously, you know, you have the, the more of the clinical sports psychology, you have the performance-based psychology, but then it's much more layered even within those areas. Um, so, so I would encourage folks to, to uh, you know, reach out to people on LinkedIn, uh, maybe that, that have a background in sports psychology to, to also look at um, the Association for Applied Sports Psychology website for different resources and, and really just getting connected with different people with different backgrounds in the field, because my definition of sports psychology is going to be vastly different from what you'll hear from some other folks. And the way I run my business is vastly different from some other folks in this space. Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to figure out where do we fit within the, the, the larger field of sports psychology? What are the career paths? What, what, what are the educational paths? Um, I've talked to a number of students probably over the past couple of years that, that you know, reach out and they're like, well, like I'm finished my, my, my master's, I'm about to go for my PhD in sports psychology, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, like what's the reason you wanna go for the doctor? Like, do you really truly need the doctorate degree? You know, um, I'm not sure I would go for mine if I could go back, knowing that I would end up in in entrepreneurship. Like as a my clients, my clients don't give a shit if I have a PhD or not. You know, they they care that I can help them, that I can help them get better. You know, and there are different ways of going about it. You know, yes, you can go for your PhD, and that might be the right path. 
Um, I don't have any regrets about it, but there are also some great folks out there that maybe stop after they earn their master's degree, right? Um, like I would probably go back in time if I could and, and take, take classes in, in business and marketing, which I had no experience in any of that before I started my business. Um, so anyways, education is really the answer. Educating yourself, being proactive about it, right? And, and, and not being satisfied when, when you talk to somebody like myself, you know, and then seeking, seeking out, you know, a hundred other people um, just to see what their opinion is. That's a fair point is just for what I have experienced and learned so far, trying to get a start in the field is seeing that there's still a lot to learn. And then also the field itself is learning about itself. So um, yeah. I, like, I like, I like how you put that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You're right about that. Yeah. And uh, I'll, kind of narrowing in back on to yourself and going into some of the core questions that go off of the title of the show of in terms of like people that we've learned from whether they left a positive or negative influence and how we learned from them going forward and viewing that in the phrase bigfoot Wanted to check in and see who you consider any personal Bigfoots that you've encountered in your life of people that you've been able to meet in person or even virtually a bit. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's a long list. I've, I've gotten similar questions a few times, and I'm not one of those people that can specifically pinpoint like one or two individuals that, that have shaped me. I, I feel like to me it's been it's been all the clients I've dealt with. It's been professors over the years. It's been, um, you know, different, like, like I said earlier in the show, you know, I like, I, I love talking to people in related spaces. So like I talk to sleep experts, nutritionists, strength and conditioning coaches, basketball coaches, um, because, because what they know really enhances the, the, the work that I do, you know? And then I've also started realizing that, a lot of the people that you didn't recognize as Bigfoots, I suppose, like people, people that, that, that you learned from earlier in life, looking back, you, you realize, man, like I really, I really took away a lot from them. In my case, it might, might even be my parents. I, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents growing up. I do now. And, you know, as a teenager, sometimes you don't, you don't like your parents that much. And now at my HIF perspective, and I realize, while my dad annoys the hell out of me, sometimes he, he taught me, he taught me what it means to work hard. And he taught me what it means to compete. And my mom taught me what it means to really care. And those are all things that I can now apply when I uh, when I work with clients and when I, when I run a business. So it's been, it's been all kinds of different people over the years and I'm super grateful for it. And I still love meeting new people. I'm pretty introverted. So I'm really not about the small talk that, that, that burns me out, but I really, really love picking people's brains and, and learning that that's probably my 
preferred method of learning is, is when it's interactional and it's one-on-one -on -one, ideally or in a small group setting. Okay, that kind of um, answers part of a question that popped up while you're sharing that because I also consider myself introverted. So like for others who are more on the introverted side, like what, I know you shared a little bit there of like more one-to-one -one basis and such and not as much small talk. Anything else along that you found helpful for being able to continue to reach out and learn from others while also having that awareness of um, introverted nature? Yeah, really excellent question. I, I suppose it comes down to figuring out how to create a meaningful dialogue and meaningful connection, and then also giving yourself that space for recovery, mm. right? So I, I, need, I need a lot of time to myself. Like for instance, when I, when, I, when I lift weights or something, when I work out, I love just doing it by myself in my garage. Like I don't need to go to the gym. Like I actually find it energizing to just do it by myself and listen to a podcast. I listened to one of yours yesterday while I was getting my, my lift in. So, um, but you know, that's, that's been really helpful figuring out how I can find that space to myself. And then also how I can find commonalities when I speak with somebody. Um, you know, cause even if you say like, meet somebody at a party you don't want to be at maybe there's some overlapping interest that you can discover by just asking questions and and, and paying attention um, we we do it in the in the same way with our athletes sometimes sometimes we might have clients that on the surface have nothing in common with somebody like myself but maybe i discovered that they like certain types of sneakers that i also like so maybe that provides the, the starting point for the conversation um, but I think really, again, coming back to your point about being introverted does come down to asking yourself, what gives me energy, what takes energy and how do I recover when I need it? Mm. So true. Thank you for sharing more on that point and, yeah. uh, kind of taking a step backwards then from personal people that you've met now kind of thinking in terms of Bigfoots from afar of people who you may not have been able to meet with and have learned more of like a second nature through either like consuming their works through reading, listening to podcasts, watching videos, anything of the sort like that. Have there been any individuals who have had an impact or some lessons from people who you've learned from that you haven't been able to personally meet yet? I would say, again, it's probably a pretty long list of people. There are, for example, certain types of podcasts that I consume, and it's usually a variety of different um, topical areas. So, you know, at times I listen to Tim Ferriss, for instance, and he'll have very interesting guests on from, from all walks of life. Um, sometimes I listen to the Perception and Action podcast, which really goes more into the motor learning and skill acquisition space, which I have a little bit of a background in as well through, through my graduate studies. Um, and there'll be all kinds of different guests on that. So um, it's, it's, again, it's hard for me to point to any one person. I, there are a number of 
people also in the in the in the mindfulness space, I suppose, that have been really helpful to me for, from afar. Jack Cornfield is somebody I really enjoy listening to. Um, and I've read a couple of his books. I've listened to some of his meditations. Um, that, so, yeah, and Tara Brock. I mean, there there's some really interesting people in, in in that space that are, I suppose mentors from afar if you will both on a personal and professional level and ultimately it all it all connects right like all these different places i go to to learn they're all somehow interconnected at the end of the day you just have to you know look hard enough to find those connections but it's really interesting how it all comes together true um while you're sharing that i know in the past, I've reached out and you've recommended uh, a couple books that have been quite helpful. And when you mentioned about for mindfulness, like the first one that came to mind for mindful athlete, and then um, like 10 minute toughness, you are not your brain and such. And with those, has there been anything that you've either read or listened to lately that if someone was like, Hey, I need something to read and, um, or listen to, is there anything that of late you'd be like, Oh, I just listened or read this. You should read this or this had a lot of impact. Um, I haven't recently read any, any books. I've listened, again, I've listened to a lot of podcasts um yeah different videos i've i've consumed i i was just um actually uh, my, my business partner dave he, he was just sharing a um, video with me uh that that folks can look up on on uh youtube it's it, it's about neutral thinking and it's by russell wilson uh, the quarterback so um he talks about this idea of neutral thinking as opposed to negative or positive thinking and I, I think it, that in of itself even though it's a short clip it's not a whole book but I thought that was just such a powerful idea that we can apply both on and off the playing field because I think too often do we get wrapped up in well if I'm worrying too much if I'm too negative with myself then I need to figure out a way to be positive but even the positive thinking sometimes can take you out of the moment if you will. Whereas neutral thinking, it's really just about what's in front of me. How do I solve this task, right? In this moment right now, or if it's not a task, then it really comes down to that idea of mindfulness, which also is anchored in neutral thinking. It's, it's that idea of being, how can I be as opposed to strive for something or like try to try to, you know, create something that's not currently there. Um, and I, I think that in a lot of ways actually drives performance and it also ultimately drives happiness and fulfillment or let, let's, let's call it fulfillment. It drives fulfillment in life or, or on the playing field a lot more so than uh, constantly getting hung up on trying to produce positive emotions that are maybe not even available at that particular time. I like that. Thank you for sharing that'll definitely be something that I'll be checking out and possibly others and because I feel like that isn't heard too much I've heard like a little bit more of late 
about that, but not like specific term, like neutral thinking, like kind of just seeing like, okay, like what, but besides this is one extreme or the other, like what's that middle ground or, you know, staying to the facts a little bit or like being objective while also like not fully removing yourself from the emotion side, but um, working through it in that manner. Yeah. Something else, since we're on the topic of learning, obviously with, with your podcast that I can send over to you is a an article that a um, professional coach shared with me a little while ago. It's on the on on what's called the spacing effect. So it, it looks at how you know how in in what ways can we space out uh, deliberate practice or deliberate learning, if you will, over time. So if there's something like a skill, for example, that you feel pretty comfortable with right now at what point in time do you want to revisit it so it stays fresh, you know? So, so really figuring out, and, and this, is, this applies pretty well to how you design practices, for instance, but it also applies to the larger idea of mental skills training. You know, how often do you revisit something that you've already mastered pretty well, as opposed to something that you're still trying to master, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it's about um, kind of sequencing that out um in, in a way i mean it's like planning ahead for a whole season um in terms of uh periodization periodization is the, the the term i was looking for um so it's called the spacing effect really really interesting and uh, both both with regards to mental skills and, and really anything that we're trying to learn and master in life well, it sounds like quite the intriguing article and yeah. very applicable and such mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, then take another step back now. Now, thinking and reflecting on your life in terms of the different stories and fictional side that you may have taken in and whatever means that of any characters or even just themes that stick out that you would consider a fictional Bigfoot for your life. You know, it's, it's funny because I was listening to Mike's episodes uh, with you yesterday and I started thinking about that question and I'm struggling with it a little bit, but um, it did, it did t- kind, of, kind of take me back to my childhood and like different characters I was into and, and, and it even got me thinking about how we sometimes use um, fictional characters in our mental training work with our clients. So like, I'll take you back to, to something that when I was younger was meaningful to me. So, so I, I was really into the, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're a big, big deal, like back in the eighties. And obviously they've come back a number of times over the years and, and whatnot. But um, I really, I love how you had like basically the four main characters and each one had sort of a different, um, personality like very different personality that that sort of equated to their superpowers if you will so i was really into donatello because he was very intellectual Mm -hmm. um and then there was leonardo who was very much about how do you keep this group together you know then rafael was was uh was about um that kind of that competitive intensity if you will so in any case um the, the the point being that 
as a kid, you know, you, you, you choose certain types of fictional characters because of certain, you know, maybe qualities or, or, um, skills that you like superpowers you associate with them because maybe you want to learn how to master those yourself and they resonate at, at some level um so with our clients now it's really interesting because sometimes we'll have like even professional level players that are in their you know like late 20s 30s or whatever and that, that are really into like marvel for, for for example and they really love superheroes so we when we help them develop out their core values and we help them identify what they want their on-court identity to be and what types of actions and behaviors to build it around. Sometimes we actually help them um, kind of find that association to, or that connection to different, different fictional characters that they're into. And it really resonates and it really helps them drive performance to think, all right, when I go out there, I want to be like Captain America in terms of my leadership, you know, or I want to be like, whatever, the incredible Hulk in terms of my intensity and power. Um, so it's, it's made it really fun in terms of putting more creative spin on, on mental training. And, and we, we do it selectively. We don't do it with everybody, but when it, when, when client, when it resonates with clients, it really resonates and really makes it fun. I love that. Cause uh, you it's we don't always like think about how those can have connections and like seeing those identity parts and like the values as you mentioned and like in a way intentionally uh, thinking about those characters and such and when in terms of like for basketball but then like anywhere else and like where where to kind of use and kind of channel while you were like explaining some of that made me think of even though black mambas aren't fictional creatures they're real animals but kind of like how you know just having a way to visualize that other persona and kind of as in the case of black mamba with kobe and having that on-court persona um, being able to really lean into that and, um, you know, channel your performance into what you wanted to be through that. So, yeah, I you. like that example too. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then, um, also in terms of like thinking about learning a little bit more and reflecting on your life and how you know just the different experiences that you've gone through and even going back to the relationship you've had with learning if you had the opportunity to add your own definition of learning to the dictionary and have your own Reiner spin to it what would you define it as mm. That one's also a tough question. I know Mike struggled with this one, so I'll, I'll see if I can if I can do better than he did. <laughs> um, I suppose there is there is intentional and, and deliberate learning, and then there is also the type of learning that 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 takes place by simply being. But let, let's focus on 
the more intentional part. So to me, learning is about deliberate growth. So a deliberate and intentional purposeful investment in getting better through whatever means possible, right? And the other part to it is never getting stagnant with it. Learning really is about an ongoing process of educating yourself and, and, and asking good questions. That's what it comes down to in a lot of ways is asking great questions. This, this sounds like a terrible definition that you'd never want to put in a dictionary, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it resonates. <laughs> Don't minimize and discredit your definition. <laughs> because there are powerful parts in there and relevant and so yeah don't don't knock yourself down (laughs) um well then we're getting near the end of our time and I wanted to check in if you had any final thoughts for the listeners whether specific to learning or mental performance um anything and or it could be life any final lessons you want to leave with the listeners today i would say that the one thing that's made the biggest difference for me in my career and my life probably is that investment in learning right and then coupling that with finding ways to to uh, bring value to the, to the table. So when it comes to, let's say you're a student wanting to go into the field of sports psychology, start by, yes, reaching out to professionals like myself, maybe, and, and asking for advice, asking questions, trying to learn, you know, looking into, into books, into podcasts, into internship opportunities, right? And again, in the process, also really think about how can I bring value to the table? Um, still too often do I, do I see that, that students will just simply look to take. And that's, that's good to a degree if you're looking, looking to take in the sense of you want to gain knowledge. But what, what, what are you offering in the process? How can you create mutually beneficial relationships with those around you? Because I, I think that's probably what's, most helped my career is that very rarely have I reached out to, to people just wanting something. It's, it's more about a mutual exchange and figuring out how can I bring value to, to what you do um, so you don't feel as though I'm simply trying to take from you. And it's, it, it's an important lesson, I think, especially in this field, because opportunities are very limited in sports psychology. Yes, there are more and more jobs, but there are also a ton more graduates now a ton more programs out there so the job market in a lot of ways is pretty saturated um, especially for those who are just coming out and don't have a super impressive resume just yet so that's where you really need to figure out well what value do I bring to the table I might not have all the answers right now but what can I do to actually help so I can then learn and ask for things in the process potentially as those relationships build Well, that's a lot to reflect on and chew on there for final thoughts. Thank you, Reiner, uh, for your time and generosity and sharing your own, your own personal experiences and then also things that you've learned along the way. Yeah, and thanks for having me. And, and uh, yeah, you're doing a great job with, with the podcast. And I, 
I um, I admired the courage to start one. I I certainly I don't even know if I I probably I didn't know about podcasting when I was your age. I didn't, but if I had, I'm not sure if I would have done it. Um, so so uh, it's pretty impressive. I know you've had some great guests on, and to, to, to just keep building on it. Um, I, I think it benefits it benefits the listeners, and hopefully, it's benefiting your own personal growth as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. If you are still listening, you are now at the post-episode reflection portion, making note of anything from the process of putting the episode together. I thoroughly enjoyed being able to talk with Reiner and the opportunity to learn more from him. I've always admired Reiner's willingness to help out others, whether that's through the means of sharing information that he personally knows, recommending books that are relevant and applicable, or even from connecting individuals with others for further learning, as was the case with a few guests from the show, Scott and Mike. If after listening to this episode, you would like to learn more about Reiner and the work that he does, I encourage you to check out cortexperformance.com or email info at cortexperformance.com. Both of those will be in the show notes, so I encourage you to check those out. A part that kept coming up as a sort of theme from the episode, besides mental performance and how to apply those aspects is something that it can be worked at as another skill in terms of networking. Networking is not necessarily something that is easy. So with that in mind and what was brought up in the episode, some points to consider for networking include the self-awareness of yourself, whether that is with your own energy level while we're interacting with others, or what you want to learn. And then going off of there, how you can provide value for everyone that is involved. That is all for now. I encourage you to go and see where those opportunities to learn are within each of your days. And until next time.